0: How Very much I've loved you, how very much I've tried my best to give you a good life. He said, Jesus Himself said, the Son of God, in this law, He said, dwelleth all the law and all the rights. Childish manner, Scott and I impishly danced around his body before he was dead. Just Strangely enough, it was a rush, a teenager's rush. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Yeah! Hey, strangers. Wow, it has been quite a while since I've... Done an episode of This Week in Crime. And for those of you that are new, I am sorry and I apologize for having discovered this podcast and nothing has really been happening so far. But the reason nothing's been happening is because if you don't follow me on Instagram at Strange Talk Podcast, then you won't know. But recently I started a new job, so my work schedule is kind of um I work ten hours a day, four days a week. I have three days off, um, I have Tuesdays and Wednesdays off, and Wednesdays is when I have the segment of uh, the episode, This Week in Crime, where, This Week in Crime is where I bring you strange, interesting, or just weird news articles from around the world, or right here in good old America, and just let you know the strange shit that goes down in the world that we live in, we call it home. But, um, so, I've kind of been busy recently trying to adjust to the new work schedule and everything, and... so that's why I've kind of been kind of lagging it so far on bringing out episodes I don't really have a lot of time to do research like I did um, because the last job I was working at was fucking easy compared to (laughs) the job that I'm doing now it's pretty uh physical and everything but uh anyways I digress but yeah it's been a pretty long time been a, quite a while since I've done a This Week in Crime episode, uh, but This Week in Crime is basically where I chit-chat in the beginning, just kind of give a rundown of the day, <clears throat> so why not just break up your work week, get away from that grind, and just take a break and bathe in this world that we have that brings us strange and unusual shit that goes on so, um, what's been going on recently? Nothing. Uh, we, well, everybody knows, I'm sure if you haven't, I believe it was, um, last week, uh, was it Thursday or Friday? Probably Wednesday. I don't even remember, but I didn't want to bring it into a news article or uh, include it too much into the segment because I'm sure all of you by now already know about the Notre Dame, how it caught fire because I guess they were trying to rebuild one of the towers and, it was either an electrical fire or something like that and it just caused the caused the you know famous building or cathedral to catch fire and burn one of the towers that they were actually think trying to rebuild and so the funny thing about that whole incident the notre dame being caught on fire is that there's a lot of people out there that are saying like (laughs) there's a lot of people out there that are like calling to attention the fact that there are people willing to send money to help an ancient building and their argument is that it's had its run but they're willing to pay millions of dollars to help rebuild the building but there's no money whatsoever to help rebuild um to help out like families in needs third world countries. And then even recently, I think it happened um, on the weekend. I think there was um, a massive amount of bombings in uh, Sri Lanka. I believe it was. And hundreds of people died. It was, I think part of church bombings or something. So that is pretty crazy. The world that we live in is fucked up and human beings are just a virus. And we're going to be the reason why we go extinct. It's not going to be because of some plague. It's just going to be because we hate each other. And humans have been fighting over differences for thousands and thousands of years. And it will never end because history always has a tendency to repeat itself. (laughs) But enough of that shit. Let's get to um, some interesting things that I've been uh, watching recently. So on Netflix, there's a show called uh black summer and it is actually really 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 good so if you've been on the fence about it because it is a zombie show but there's something about it like to be completely honest with you i've been a fan of the walking dead not the show i've been a fan of the walking dead comics for a really long time because i love what he did with the comics he kind of uh robert kirkman the creator of the walking dead did something very interesting with his take on the whole zombie genre. He didn't really necessarily focus on zombies. He kind of did something the way um, George Romero did when he directed his zombie movies. Like One of my favorite all-time movies of um, George Romero isn't necessarily the first Night of the Living Dead. It's actually the Night of the Living Dead 2 um, because it's really, really good in the sense that it's not so much about the zombies. It's about the people surviving in the world. And that's kind of what Robert Kirkman did with his versions of his, when he took on the, the zombie genre. And cause I love the subtext of the part two of night of the living dead too, which is George Romero just always had the idea of like, people could have everything in the world, you know, and here you have those group of people that, take shelter in the mall and they have everything. They have abundance of food. They have abundance of clothing. They have everything. But for some reason they still feel like they're missing something. And they're not happy. And and that's what I loved about George A George A. Romero's like zombie like take on it was that you could have everything in the world, but for some reason these people are not happy. And they decide to leave, and I, that's why I love the. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. I love that movie. But, anyways, uh, Black Summer. It, it's kind of the same thing with that. It's not so much about the zombies. It's about the people. But one thing that I do love about um, Black Summer, and uh, spoiler warning. So, if you're interested in watching it and you have it in your list and you haven't got around to seeing it, I suggest you go watch it because it's actually really, 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 really good. Um, it is it's very good. It's actually a refreshing take on a zombie genre, but you know what? They don't really necessarily say that they're zombies. I, at least I don't recall if they ever talk about the people being zombies. They just, they actually, they don't even really refer to them. They just refer to them as like dead. I don't think they ever really say the zombie word or anything like that. And you don't, having watched the whole season already, you they don't ever talk about how it this virus spread or what it's even causing them to do it. What they do tell you is, spoiler warning, again, if you want to watch it, just skip over the next two, three minutes <laughs> if you want to watch it, and spoiler free. But anyways, um, they don't ever really go into What you do learn is that when you die, you become one, and it happens very fast. Um, but again, what I loved about Black Summer was the fact that it focuses on the people. And I actually, when I was a filmmaker myself at one point, I actually had an idea for something along the lines of black summer because in black summer it's about a group of people. They don't know each other right away. They just all happen to me. And I love the way they show it, the way they, the way they plan it out, not plan it out, but the way they present all the people, they somehow pass each other by, but then they all end up again. And some of the things that happen are really quick and fast, um, especially some of the deaths because they're like a main character but then they die, and then it happens very fast, and it's not really talked about or looked on again. Because I love that about it, is because they don't ever really focus on the death. Like some shows, like on The Walking Dead, like when Beth died, they made a big deal about it. But sometimes you have to just keep going, and that's what they do in Black Summer, is that there's a huge death. And I, again, I'm not spoiling. I, I'm not going to say who it is, just in case you do want to say it, but there is a huge kind of not a huge death but it's kind of like well what the fuck he was like a main character and then he's gone like that and it's never talked about again but i like it because it's kind of i know it's a zombie show but it's kind of like in the realms of reality like for instance um the walking dead is about people like just average everyday people stuck and trying to survive in an apocalyptic zombie world now Granted, not everybody's a marksman. Not everybody's going to know how to fire a gun. But Black Summer kind of does something along the lines of that. So again, spoiler warning, if you want to watch Black Summer, don't listen to this part. Skip over the next three to five minutes. But in Black Summer, there's a scene where um, the whole point of the Black Summer uh, show is that they're trying to get to the stadium because it's widely known that the stadium is like this shelter like this beacon of hope and it's a haven for survival where the army has supposedly taken over the stadium and they are they are told actually by some of the army or I believe it's the national guard but they're told by some of the national guard like troops that you know you have to make it to the stadium because they're going to be doing evacuations every hour on the hour and that's the only way to get out and they're taking them to a remote island because it's the only place that they know is safe because Every other state, every other country has gone what they call Code Black. Code Black is where it's basically overrun and there's nobody left alive. Hence the name Black Summer because it takes place during the summer. But what I really, really loved about Black Summer was the realm of reality that they chose to do this in. So there's a scene when, spoiler warning again, when they get all the way close to the stadium. Now, there's a bunch of other survivors that are doing the same thing as these group of other survivors, the main characters, if you will. The main characters are trying to get to the stadium as well as all these other people that they don't know. And they see a zombie and they start shooting. But they don't start shooting. Other people start shooting. They just start shooting willy-nilly. But what I love about it is because these people aren't trained soldiers. They're not mercenaries. They're not... They weren't part of the army. They don't know really how to shoot a gun. So people just start blind firing and they start getting scared. Like there's literally they show a guy just running down the hall, just shooting the gun at anybody because I guess everybody's in a panic. They can't tell who's a zombie and they can't tell, you know, a regular person from a zombie. And that's what I loved about it because there is a part where one of the main characters, she's panicking because a zombie's running towards her and a zombie runs right at her and she's shooting and she's shooting with an automatic gun. Now, if you don't stop Shooting on the trigger, it's going to keep going. But that's what she keeps doing. She's just panicking. So she's shooting. But when she finally kills a zombie, the zombie drops to the ground and falls and dies. But she ends up accidentally shooting a regular person. And as soon as he sees that he's shot, he starts panicking. And then he turns into a zombie. And then it's just a chain fucking reaction of other people just becoming zombies and just panicking and shooting. And everybody's just running around. And to me, that was like one of the most refreshing and like best parts of any zombie show that I've seen in quite a long time. And I'm telling you, I can't recommend it enough. Black Summer is a really fucking good show. Really, really good show. So if you just want to just have fun, just watch it with your significant other. Just sit down and just get high and fucking just zone out to it. Because it's actually really good. It's really, really good. It shows like some of the shit that probably would happen if there were ever to be a zombie outbreak like that. So I feel like I wasted enough time talking about a TV show on Netflix. So I think it's time to just start bringing into some news articles. So let's get into This Week in Crime. So the first article I'm getting, um, again, I can't thank him enough. This is from Rocky the Collector. He's usually the one that sends me all the articles, and it makes my life and job a lot easier putting, putting together the episodes of This Week in Crime. So a big thank you to at Rocky the Collector. So this one is Tiny Bees Found in Woman's Eye. Feeding off tears. Yes, you've heard that's right. Doctors treating a Taiwanese woman for a swollen eye were shocked to find four tiny bees living under her left eyelid. The minuscule insects known as sweet bees are three to four millimeters or 0.12 to 0.16 inches in length, according to CNN, which is where I got the article from. I saw something that looked like insect legs, so I pulled them out under a microscope slowly and one. At a time without damaging things inside. Hung Chi Ting, the head of the ophthalmology department at Taiwan's Fuyin University Hospital, told reporters at a news conference Sweet bees, also known as hilicidate, nest near graves and in fallen trees, so it's easy to come across them while hiking in mountains, Hung explained. According to CTS, the woman identified by her family name of He. Okay <laughs> said she thinks the insects blew into her eye at a relative's gravesite when she visited with her family. She washed her eyes with water but kept experiencing severe pain. It was very painful. Tears wouldn't stop coming out of my eyes, she said. I was scared to death. After three hours of agony she he he I'm not saying a man, that's remember, that's her last name, apparently. He visited the hospital where doctors determined she was suffering from cellulitis, a bacterial skin infection, and severe coronal erosion caused by sweat bees. Sweet bees. Wait, sweat bees? Maybe it's a typo because it says sweat bees. I thought it was sweet bees. We'll say sweat bees. (laughs) Thankfully, she came to the hospital early. Otherwise, I might have had to take her eyeball out to save her life, Hung said. His eyesight, his eyesight had been reduced to under 0.1, the equivalent of 20-200 vision on the Snellen eye chart, measuring visual acuity, Hung told reporters. Luckily, she didn't have a high fever and it hadn't affected her central nervous system. The sweat bees feeds off nectar and pollen, but is also drawn to human perspiration, which provides precious moisture and salts, according to the Missouri Department of Conservation. Local media reported that he was expected to make a full recovery. Jesus, that's so crazy. I never had a bee stuck in my eye, but one time I was like probably, I was really, really fucking little. I want to say like maybe six, seven, or eight between the ages of that. I didn't get a bee stuck in my eye, but you know flying ants? I was playing by a tree, and a flying ant happened to get into my eye, and that shit fucking hurt because I remember that shit. And I remember my mom pulling the eye, the eye, pulling my ants, pulling my ants, pulling the ants out of my fucking eye, But I do remember that. That wasn't very pleasant. (laughs) But fun times, fun times. Anyways, moving on to the next article. A man sets himself ablaze on Pennsylvania Avenue and North Lawn is cleared. A man lit himself on fire while just outside the White House on Friday, officials said. Secret Service agents responded to reports just after 3 p.m. that a man had set himself ablaze while positioned along the White House North fence line. According to a tweet, the suspect was operating an electric wheelchair type scooter when officials say he set his outer jacket on fire. He was immediately met with uninformed division officers who put out the flames and administered first aid. The Secret Service said in a separate tweet. Here's what the Secret Service said in their tweet. Update, a male subject operating an electronic wheelchair type scooter lit his outer jacket on fire while sitting along Pennsylvania Avenue outside the North fence line. Uninformed division officers immediately responded, extinguished the fire, and rendered first aid. The man was taken to an area hospital where he was being treated for non-life-threatening injuries. CBS News White House correspondent Mark Noller tweeted an image of the suspect being carried away from the scene. Secret Service agents reportedly cleared the North Lawn and were canvassing the area for any additional devices that might have been brought to the area. Officials also shut down Pennsylvania Avenue to pedestrian traffic additional nearby streets were closed to vehicles so there hasn't been said there hasn't been anything because this happened on april 12th so there hasn't been anything else said as to why he did what he did so no one kind of fucking knows but that hasn't been the first time like i said history always has a tendency to repeat itself but i do remember seeing i never seen a person do it but I remember watching videos of the peaceful protests that they did when one of the monks um, lit himself on fire during the Vietnam War as a protest to end the war, which didn't end it, but that sucks. It was it's pretty crazy, and he just sits there, and I, I'm pretty sure he's in fucking pain. But maybe I haven't seen the video in such a long time, but I, from what I remember, he didn't actually move or wither around in pain. He just sat there and fucking took it. Moving on to another article. A baby born without skin to receive life-saving treatment. In Houston, Texas, a baby born in Texas with missing areas of skin is now in Houston to receive life-saving treatment. Jabari Gray has an extreme form of rare skin disease called alopecia cutis." He literally he literally from the neck down, from the front and back, nothing. There what? That doesn't make sense, but it's a quote. He literally, from the neck down, from the front and back, nothing. There was no skin, and even parts of his legs, he had no skin, said his mother Priscilla Maldonado. Born weighing just three pounds, the New Year's Day baby has already defeated the odds. Maldonado says doctors told her only two other babies like Jabari have been born in the U.S., and neither of them survived. After spending the first three months of his life in a San Antonio NICU, doctors told the family to prepare for the worst. Maldonado refused to accept defeat. If it wasn't his purpose to be here, he would have been gone from birth or even before birth. So he does have a purpose in this world, and we never know what it is until the future. Maldonado said, Jabari does have complications from the disease. His eyes are fused shut, and even though his skin has started to grow on his own, his fingers, toes, and neck become fused well in the NICU. Texas Children's Hospital has now stepped in. It's just now that his neck is fused together. Now he has another challenge to conquer, which is his breathing, because it is completely bent in half, his airway. Just because it's fused together, Maldonado said. Jabari is in stable condition after the medical flight from San Antonio. His mother and father drove down together and are staying in a nearby hotel indefinitely. They hope his treatment will begin very shortly. The first thing that we need to conquer is his breathing, so hopefully they're able to remove that scar tissue on his neck and reposition his neck so that, that way it does grow again perfectly normal, Maldonado also said. Maldonado says there was no sign of the disease during her pregnancy, and they only discovered it after he was born and aptly named. Jabari, she says, means fighter. It actually means fighter and warrior, and that name was given to him by his grandfather, which we didn't even know what his condition was. And come to find out, it was fits exactly what he's going through, Maldonado said. Jabari's family has set up a GoFundMe page in order to help with medical bills and expenses. So let's hope... That Jabari, little Jabari, can actually make it through. There hasn't been an update since then. And like I said, I've been due for um, this week in crime for quite a while. So, you know, we'll see. I have a lot to actually get to. So here's the next article. A Phoenix man killed his wife, two kids, and friend over suspicions of an affair. A Phoenix man is charged with four murders and multiple assaults after allegedly killing his wife, two of their children, and a friend over apparent suspicions that his wife was having an affair with his brother, who was not among the victims, officials said this week. (laughs) While in custody, suspect Austin Smith told police that in God's eyes, it was all right for him to deal with someone in this manner who'd been involved in adultery or an extramarital affair. Phoenix Police Sergeant Tommy Thompson at a press conference on Friday. Under his religious beliefs, he believes that it was okay. (laughs) It's unclear what religion Smith practices, Thomas Thompson said. On Thursday, police were called to the scene of an apartment complex in Glendale, Arizona, a city about nine miles northeast of downtown Phoenix, where they found the body of Ron Freeman, 46 years old, as well as an unidentified woman, 47 years old, with multiple gunshot wounds and an unidentified man, with unspecified injuries. Police said they apprehended Smith, 30 years old, fleeing that scene. Once in police custody, he allegedly led authorities to the scene of an even more horrific crime at his own home. Officials said that Smith had returned home from a local bar around 8 p.m. full of suspicion, or more like full of alcohol, over the perceived infidelity and confronted his wife, who denied the accusation. Smith then fatally shot wife Dacia Patterson, 29 years old, and their five-year-old daughter, Nasha Smith, according to court records cited by the Associated Press. Their seven-year-old daughter, Mayan Smith, died from apparent blunt force trauma, allegedly by the use of a bat, according to the Associated Press. Jesus fucking Christ, this guy. Authorities said the only survivor at Smith's family home was the couple's three-year-old daughter. It is from my understanding that he elected not to shoot the three-year-old she was under the bed when officers got to her, said Thompson. He then headed to Glendale and shot Freeman after the family friend told Smith he would be crazy to believe his wife was cheating on him, according to authorities. Inside Smith's car, police found a 9mm handgun, a forty five caliber handgun, and a .223 caliber rifle they believe were used in the shootings, according to the probable cause statement. Smith was charged on Friday in Maricopa County Superior Court for the quadruple murder and held on $2 million bail. He is also charged with two counts of attempted first-degree murder and three counts of aggravated assault. Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, people, if you find out, just either leave them or don't fucking kill them because it's just going to make it worse for you because what the fuck are you going to do? You're going to spend the rest of your fucking life in jail. Or you just don't. Just leave or just, you know, don't bother fucking killing them. Why do you need to? So let's move on to the next article. So this next article is victims of human sacrifice found by engineers laying water pipes. Dozens of Neolithic skeletons, including those of people who may have been victims of human sacrifice, have been discovered in an almost 3,000-year-old settlement in Britain. The remains of 26 people from the Iron Age and Roman periods were found, including a woman with her feet cut off and her arms bound behind her head, and another person with their skull placed by their feet. A collection of tools from different time periods was also found in the settlement, which was discovered by engineers laying water pipes in Oxford, England. Archaeologists inspecting the remains believe the people found were from the same community involved in creating the Uffington or the Uffington White Horse, a prehistoric chalk sculpture on a nearby hill. These findings open a unique window into the lives and deaths of communities we often know only for their monumental buildings, such as hill forts or the Uffington or Uffington White Horse. Paolo Goronino, Cotswold Archaeology Project officer, said in a statement, The results from the analysis of the artifacts, animal bones, the human skeletons, and the soil samples will help us add some important information to the history of the communities that occupied these lands so many years ago. The group has removed the remains from the site for forensic investigation. They were found during work on a Thames water project aimed at protecting an Oxford chalk stream. The findings provided a glimpse into the beliefs and superstitions of people living in Oxfordshire before the Roman conquest, said Niall Holbrook, chief executive of Cotswold Archaeology. Evidence elsewhere suggests that burials and pits might have involved human sacrifice. The discovery challenges our perceptions about the past and invites us to try to understand the beliefs of people who lived and died more than 2000 years ago. That's crazy. <laughs> Could you imagine if we still did shit like that? Jesus Christ. (laughs) So this next article that we're going to be getting into is liquid blood and urine have been found inside a prehistoric 42,000-year-old foal. Russian researchers have found liquid blood and urine inside the frozen carcass of a foal that died 42,000 years ago in Siberia's... I'm probably going to fuck up this pronunciation. Verkhoyangsh... Vrhockenjongstr region I know I fucked that up. The animal's body fluids were extracted during an autopsy and tested in the hope of cloning the extinct species. According to Simon Young Grigorviv, director of the Mammoth Museum of Northeastern Federal University in Yakushtik, mammoth tusk hunters discovered the ancient fall embedded in the perma of the massive Bagatakakhan Crater during the summer of 2018. I'm just messing all this up. Grigoriev told CNN via email that the foal appeared to have been just two weeks old when it died, likely by drowning in mud, which then became part of the permaforest. An autopsy showed the foal carcass was extremely well preserved, the body even without deformation, he added. The hair cover also preserved most parts of the carcass, especially at the head and legs. The preservation the preservation of the animal's fur was extremely rare," Grigoriev said, before adding, "Now we can say what color was the wool of the extinct horses of the Paleocene era? I'm pretty sure I fucked that up too." The discovery of liquid blood and urine is rarer still," Grigoriev said. He was aware of only one other case when liquid blood was found in an animal from the era, Epoch, which lasted from around 2.6 million years ago until about 11,700 years ago. That was in the frozen carcass of an adult mammoth, discovered by Gregoriev's team in May of 2013 at Little Lyakovsky Island off the northeast coast of Russia. As a rule, the blood coagulates or even turns to powder in the ancient remains of animals of the Ice Age. Even if the carcass is preserved, seems to be well, Gregorov explained. This is due to mummification when moisture and other biological fluids gradually evaporate over thousands of years. Even if the remains are in the permaforest, the remains are preserved best if they are in the ice, as it was with our mammoth. Gregorov said, NEFU specialists were working with experts from the controversial South Korean Som Biotech Research Foundation in an effort to cultivate the full cells for cloning. Though he was pessimistic about their chances, Som is led by scientist Hwang Woo Suk. I'm not making that up; that's his name. Who claimed in 2004 that he had successfully cloned human embryonic stem cells before admitting he had faked his findings. I think that even the unique preservation of blood is absolutely hopeless for cloning purposes since the main blood cells, the red blood cells, or erythrocytes, do not have nuclei with the DNA. Gregoriev said, We are trying to find intact cells in muscle tissue and internal organs that are also very well preserved. The ancient horse will be exhibited across Japan from June to September 2020 as part of the Mammoth Exposition interesting you know what the the co-cloning of the fucking ancient prehistoric animals always reminds me of that episode of american dad <laughs> when when um stan clones the extinct dodo bird i know the dodo was the dodo bird from prehistoric times i don't think so they were around not too long ago uh, i'd say more than what is it 30 20 years ago that's no, no, twenty years ago, I'm stupid. I'd say probably a hundred years ago. Anyways. But the dodo bird obviously went extinct due to hunting. You know, we overhunted it the bird and that's why it went extinct. But in the episode, the bird wants to die. He doesn't want to live, so every chance it gets it's trying to kill itself. And yeah, that's what I thought was so funny. And I realize now it's not that funny. But anyways, glad to have wasted your time. Let's move on to the next article. So this article, which is going to be the last one of this segment. I know I said I was due for a lot more, but I did not realize I got through most of them already. (laughs) So on this one is a Michigan boy calls 911 to place McDonald's order and police actually deliver it. A Michigan boy with an emergency craving called 911 last week to place an order, and he ended up getting it delivered. Five-year-old Isaiah Hall was at his Wyoming, Michigan home on Sunday when he began craving some McDonald's. The only problem was Isaiah's grandmother was fast asleep. According to WZZM, that's when Isaiah grabbed an old phone which had been deactivated years ago and called the only number he could, which was 911. Isaiah connected to dispatcher and asked her, can you bring me a McDonald's? Kent County dispatch contacted Wyoming police who sent Officer Dan Peterson to check on the boy. On his way to check on Isaiah, Patterson stopped by a local McDonald's and picked something up. I figured, hey, I'm driving past McDonald's on my way there and I might as well get him something, he told the station. Patterson said when he showed up, Isaiah was initially worried that his grandmother would be upset that he called the police and asked him to leave grandma. grandmother said that they were grateful to the Patterson, who also advised him about using 911 for emergencies only. <laughs> that would have been awesome if the kids said, well, yeah, it was an emergency. I want a fuck at McDonald's. So, let's see. I have a few more articles that I probably could read to you. Ah, here it is. I saw this one not too long ago. This one happened on April 1st, but this, I saw a Vice documentary on this article. So this article is, a teacher claims she was fired over topless selfie she sent to her boyfriend. A Long Island middle school teacher was fired last week when an old topless selfie that she sent to her boyfriend surfaced. How did it surface, though? That's, that's my question. Let's see if they mention it in the article. In the hands of a student, according to a new court filing, how did he get a hold of it? Lauren Miranda, a 25-year-old former Bellport Middle School math teacher, was fired Wednesday after a student somehow obtained the image, according to her lawyer John Ray. Ray said Monday that officials wrongfully chastised Miranda over the image, which was sent to her then-partner, another teacher, at a different school, and eventually fired her for not being a proper school role model. At a press conference, Miranda said the image was obtained without her consent and that there was nothing inherently offensive about the image anyways. It's pure, she said, of the image that shows her breasts. I'm getting makeup in one hand and I'm taking a picture in the other. Miranda said she had previously sent the photo to the former flame and had no idea how the student got a hold of it. Miranda and Ray have filed a notice of claim in the case as a a precursor to a $3 million lawsuit. Long ago, she sent her topless, unremarkable selfie to her companion. Oh, they have—they actually show the photo, and it's, it's blurred, mind you. But, nice. Long ago, she sent her topless, unremarkable selfie to her companion, never to anyone else, Ray said. By unknown means, a student attained it. The school district took possession of it, <laughs> exonerated her, and fired her because her breasts were displayed. Miranda and her lawyer content contended that a male teacher would not have been subjected to the same treatment in similar circumstances and that she wants her job back. This would never have happened to a male teacher, Ray said. The Suffolk County administrators and school board have not yet discovered that women are equal to men. Lauren is rightly plow- proud of her female torso. A, fee- a woman's breasts are not inherently purent. Miranda said Monday that she wanted to fight back in order to provide a strong example to her former students. What kind of role model am I? To now roll over and hide, she said. I am showing my face and saying something happened to me that I didn't want. Ray said he didn't know if the student was ever punished. Citing pending litigation, district officials declined to comment. So what do you think? Do you think it's wrong? She deserves to be fired? Do you think she should, you know, fight? Me personally, I think she should fight. I do think, although, the kid should suffer some type of punishment because, obviously, so it's either one of two, one of many things probably, but I'll give you one of two things that probably happened. One, he's either very crafty and he was able to hack into her account or he somehow went into her phone when she wasn't looking. Or two, her boyfriend's probably a huge dick and he probably gave the picture to him somehow. Who knows? Well, unfortunately, that's all the time I have for you on this week in crime. I want to make it longer. To be honest with you, I I wanted to make like a two hour to three hour episode, but I feel like if I do that, I feel like I'd just be dragging it out and you guys wouldn't enjoy it. It would just be boring after a while. So I don't think I'm going to do that. I am going to try to, however, keep up with doing this week in crime. And trying to stay on top of bringing a new episode every Monday and a new This Week in Crime every Wednesday. Hopefully that can happens, but should happen sometimes and it's out of your control. So, you know, thank you for tuning in to This Week in Crime. Hopefully it, you know, made your life less miserable and you can get through the rest of your work week. <sighs> But if not, then oh well. So feel free to follow me on social media on Instagram at Strange Talk Podcast. Where? At Strange Talk Podcast on Instagram. If you want to send me an article, you can do so via Instagram at Strange Talk Podcast or via email at Podcasts at Outlook.com. Again, that's strange Podcasts at Outlook.com. Again, thank you for tuning into this episode of This Week in Crime. And I hoped you learn a little bit more about the strange, fucked up world that we call Earth. So again Until next time, as always, stay strange.